0: It was almost 49 years ago that Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong exited the lunar model uh, to walk the surface of the moon. And one of the very first things that they did within minutes of getting off of that and walking on the moon was to take communion. Buzz wrote about that in Guidepost Magazine in October of 1970. Buzz was an elder at his Presbyterian church in um, Texas, and he wanted to mark the occasion in some spiritually significant way. And so he'd been talking to his pastor. He said, you know, when I get to the moon, I want to do something that is spiritual, that is significant when I get there. And so they finally decided that what they were going to do is have communion. That's probably not the first thing that would have come to mind for a Wesleyan. But for a Presbyterian, it made perfect sense. And so they planned to, for Buzz to take communion on the moon. And so the pastor consecrated a communion wafer, and he got a small vial of communion wine and all of that and got it all packed and ready. And he put it in some pockets and Buzz's legs and all of that and got it approved by NASA and all of that so that he could go to the moon with, with communion. So 250,000 miles from home, he read a verse from the Gospel of John, and he took communion. And this is his own account. He says, in the radio blackout, I opened the little plastic packages which contained the bread and the wine. I poured the wine into the chalice our church had given me, and in one-sixth gravity of the moon... The wine slowly curled and gracefully came up the side of the cup. And then he said, I read the scripture. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me will bring forth much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Buzz writes, I had intended to read my communion passage back to earth. But at the last moment, NASA had requested that I not do this. NASA had all, was already embroiled in a big uh, legal battle with Madeline Murray O'Hare, um, the celebrated opponent of religion over the Apollo 8 crew reading from the book of Genesis while they were orbiting the moon uh, at Christmas time. And so he said, I agreed reluctantly, even though I had planned all along this was part of what I was going to do is read this back to Earth. And um, as I took communion. So he said, there I was. I ate the tiny host and swallowed the wine. I gave thanks uh, for the intelligence and for the spirit that had brought two young pilots to the sea of tranquility. He said, it was interesting for me to think the very first liquid that had ever been poured on the moon and the very first, first food that was eaten there. Or communion elements and of course it's interesting he said to think that some of the very first words spoken on the moon were the words of Jesus who made the earth and the moon and who in the words of Dante said is himself the love that moves the sun and all the other stars That communion episode was dramatized in a 1998 uh, 12-part HBO miniseries called From Earth to the Moon, and here's just a two-minute clip of that. Neil, there's something I'd like to do if you don't mind. I cleared it with Deke. After all the grief that Frank and the others got for reading from Genesis, you know, I can't be specific, but it's something I want to do. Okay. Houston, Tranquility, over. Tranquility, Houston, go ahead. Roger, this is the Lamb Pilot. I'd like to take this opportunity to ask every person listening in, whoever or wherever they may be, to pause a moment and contemplate the events of the past few hours. And to give thanks in his or her own way. over Roger, drink with I am the vine and you are the branches Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit For you can do nothing without me In our passage today, Jesus says that he is the vine and we are the branches. That whole idea would have been shocking, disturbing to the Jews that would have heard Jesus say that. Because if you knew the Old Testament in that day, you knew that Israel was referred to as a vine throughout the scriptures. And I've got them all listed down here on the screen for you. Uh, But Israel was a vine. Uh, God uses that figuratively of, of Israel. And basically, the image there is, if you belong to God, you're part of Israel and all of that. And one of the key texts of that Um, comes out of Psalm 80, verses 8 and 9. It says, you brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root, and it filled the land. And so you have this image in the Old Testament that, that God took this vine, these Israelites who were in Egypt as slaves, and he transplanted them and put them in the soil, and they grew, and they became They became the source for anyone to know God. You had to become an Israelite and you had to be a child of Abraham and all of those kind of things. And so, you know, the Old Testament talks about, especially when you get to the minor prophets and the major prophets even, it it begins to refer to Israel as an unfruitful fig tree. And an unfruitful grapevine that no longer bears fruit. And it, it's going to be disciplined because it doesn't bear fruit for the kingdom and all of that. And so you you have Israel as the vine. And then it becomes unfruitful. And then all of a sudden here is Jesus in the New Testament. And after saying all kinds of things through the Gospel of John about I am this and I am that and I am this. He ends and he gets to this passage And he says, I am the true vine. Huh? And Jesus was saying, it's not through Israel that you will find life. It is not through being a child of Abraham that you will find life. It is not through being at a certain place that you will find life. Life is found in me. It is found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. You cannot find life just by being part of the nation of Israel or by being a Jew by birth. And just as a branch withers, as soon as you lop off a branch off a tree when you're pruning it and all that kind of stuff, it withers with within very short time. The leaves start to wither and all of that. So our spiritual lives begin to wither up as soon as we... Um, are pruned uh, or we're separated from Christ. And Jesus wants us to know that if we don't remain in the vine, we wither up and we die. That the only chance we have for life and for health is to remain in the vine, and he is that vine. We cannot find life in things. We cannot find life in places. We will not find life in family, or in plans, or in stability, or in pleasure, or in wealth, or in health. We find life in Jesus. And that is where Jesus says, I am divine. There's there's nowhere else to go to find life. Now in the place where Jesus spoke this, it was the Kindred Valley. And in the Kidron Valley, there were all kinds of olive trees and fig trees and grapevines. They were all over the place and grapevines and and the time and the setting in which Jesus would have spoken this. It would have been February and March right before um, his trial and crucifixion and all of that. And it is at that time of the year where... The Jews are out working those grape vines and they are pruning them and they're, they're just clipping off all the vines that don't look like they're going to be real good and, and make that plant real healthy and, and productive and fruitful and all of that. So there's all these vines that they're clipping away so that all the nutrients and everything can go to the best um, branches. And so then they would take these branches and they would just pile them up and then they'd burn them and and they would be destroyed that way. And so Jesus uses that whole metaphor when he's talking about um, pruning and all of that. And so he's reminding us that we are to be pruned. Every one of us needs to be pruned. There are things in our lives that Jesus needs to be able to come and prune and discipline so that you and I can be more efficient Effective and fruitful and productive for him. I've already alluded to the fact that seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus has already said, I am. And you look at this list, and Jesus starts out with, I am the bread of life. And then he says, I am the light of the world. And then I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. John 11, at the resurrection of Lazarus, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And when Thomas asked him, you know, where are you going, Jesus? Jesus had told him, I'm going to the Father to prepare a place for you. And Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then you come to John chapter 15, verse 1, and he says, I am the true vine. And what Jesus wants us to know as you walk through those I am statements is that everything is found in him. Again, it's not in Israel, which would have been a shock to those Israelites in that day that just being a citizen of Israel wasn't good enough. Our religious traditions and our family traditions are not good enough. We need Jesus. We will not find life, and we will not find uh, productiveness and fruitfulness apart from Jesus. And that is why in the very last week of the life of Jesus, before his crucifixion, Jesus went up to the fig tree that was unfruitful, and he cursed it. And that was symbolic of Israel, because Israel was often referred to as a fig tree. And so that unfruitful fig tree, Jesus walked up to it and cursed, and it withered away. Just overnight, and the disciples were amazed. And Jesus was saying, "Life is not found there; <laughs> life is found in me." And also in that last week in the synoptic gospels—Matthew, Mark, and Luke—Jesus told the parable of the landowner um, who had a vineyard, and he planted this vineyard, and it was a great vineyard. And he went away on a trip, and when it came time to collect his crop, he sent some servants back, and they they thought, "No, no." We don't want to give up any of the crop. We're going to keep it for ourselves. And, and they killed those servants. And he sent some more servants. And, he, and, and those people killed those servants. And then he thought, I'm going to send my own son. They will have respect for him. And he sent his own son. And they killed um, the, the owner's son. And Jesus, of course, told that story in reference to what they were doing to him. That God had sent them prophets, and they they killed the prophets. And God sent them more prophets, and, and they killed more prophets. And now God was sending his own beloved son to them, and yet they killed him. And Jesus was simply there in that last week making it very clear that we will not find life anywhere else but in Jesus. And so whether we are a Jew or whether we are a Gentile, whether we're Wesleyan and our grandparents were Wesleyan and our great-grandparents were Wesleyan and we're members of the church, we will not find life apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what your tradition is. It doesn't matter how long you've had relatives that were Christians. You are dead without Christ, without abiding and remaining in him. There is no life in our faith traditions apart from Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. And so this morning as we prepare for communion, I want us to focus on the very first and the very last of those i am statements jesus says i am the bread of life as we take communion this morning that's what that's about remembering that jesus is the bread of life and apart from him we're hungry we are always spiritually hungry apart from christ and then secondly, that last statement that Jesus makes, uh, bringing those whole I am statements uh, to conclusion where Jesus says, I am the true vine. Apart from me, you wither. Apart from me, you don't find life. And as we take the cup, we are reminded that that cup represents the blood, the juice of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus, This morning is the time to make that happen in your life.